0: I I was testing that it was working and I had the finale of the Frozen West End musical and it was like all the vocals at the end of Let It Go.
1: Hold up.
0: You're listening to
3: Sapnin' Podcast. Sapnin'. Sapnin'. You are listening to episode 175 of Sapnin' Podcast featuring myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan Richards, Bachelor of Arts. (laughs) Nice one.
1: But yes, it's me, Morgan Richards. And this episode is a Uh... constant reminder to stick to your dreams, not your guns, as were all crusaders in the shapes of screams,
3: right? Well, that, that you were going very, very well there, right? I literally had nothing I was going to pick apart until that very, very end. And now that last bit with the
1: what shapes of screams? We're all, you know, uh, that common saying. We're all the
3: shapes of screams. <laughs> Look at the shape, an any shape like a scream. <laughs> what is, is that? Like a wave form? Is that like <laughs> it starts very small at the bottom, <laughs> then it goes very, very wide? And then triangle triangles in towards the end. Um, Yes, this week's guest is Lost Alone frontman, solo artist, and all-round fucking fantastic person, Stephen Battelle.
1: Yes, and that's the breaking news this week. Lost Alone are officially back for the first time since their breakup in 2014. The band posted a cryptid black square on social media last week, followed by a new press shot and then just announced they're back as a thing, have new music ready, and they're going to be supporting My Chemical Romance in stadiums and cricket grounds across the UK in May. It's safe to say it sent a lot of people on Twitter into a frenzy. And we thought, why not invite the riff lord Stephen Battelle himself on to give us all the gossip about what's going on and a look into his very unique career. He's someone that we both have a past with. You've told numerous times of him back in the day, Sean, and is someone we just love very, very much.
3: Yes, he's a fucking great egg as our Steve, RR, Alan and Mark as well from Lost Alone. Lucky enough to tour with him in 2012, supporting My Chemical Romance. And then... Um, us and then went on tour after that, and we we had such a good time. And it's just one of those things where it goes to show, like the, your bands don't have to kind of be that same genre to really get on. Like me and Steve are so alike in so many ways. Apart from he's really really talented and good at music, and I'm not. But apart from that, um, yeah, we're very very similar. As you'll hear throughout this chat, we talk everything from Lost Alone, his solo records, songwriting for people, UFOs. Friend of the podcast, Jason Perry, his longest Lego build to date, and how he came to meet My Chemical Romance, and and how this all came about.
1: Yes, literally, if you've got so many questions about what's going on with Lost Alone, this is the perfect place for the answers, and Stephen has even told us it's an exclusive interview, the first time he's talked to anyone in quite a while, so it's a big deal.
3: Yes, I enjoyed this very, very much. I could have gone on for ages just talking about any random shit to be honest because i love the way his mind works i love his positivity and glad we talked about jason perry because all the way throughout this i could i could feel his i could feel jason perry's radiance of happiness and positivity coming from steve so again thank you very much to steve uh, for coming on for the music over the years and for the friendship i don't get anxiety when i see his name come up on my phone and that can't be said <laughs> for uh, the majority of other people. So, Wait, do you, um, yes.
1: Do you get anxiety when my name comes up on your phone?
3: Bro, I've broken three phones seeing your name come up on my phone. <laughs> so. uh, that's why you've been going... I've got a shattered th- phone. Yeah, if anybody, right, if, if I see anybody in public, or if you see me in public, um, come on to me and ask me, can you see the back of my phone? And you'll see that it is smashed to smithereens. That's because your face turned up on it once after you sent me message.
1: Said- oh, God. You didn't see my- this ugly shape. Did you? Oh, sorry about that. But this is a nice conversation <laughs> and it's full of excitement. You're really going to enjoy it. And tell you something else you should be excited for is that this summer, 2000 Trees Festival is returning after a two-year hiatus due to the pandemic coming back on the 6th to 9th of July in Cheltenham, UK. And we... Cannot wait for it. And Sean, this week, the festival announced its final announcement for artists online.
3: Nice. Awesome. Yes. Check it out at 2000treesfestival.co.uk. If you're thinking about buying tickets, go to 2000treesfestival.co.uk forward slash tickets. Use the promo code SAPNING for 10% off, I believe. Is it 10%? Morgan? Yes, we get
1: you get 10% off all Woo! your tickets. That's the weekend VIP, whatever you want. And by now, you've probably realised that the headliners are Jimmy Eat World, Thrice, who are playing their album for in full idols turnstile. But they've just announced the likes of Yumi at Six, Boston Manor, Nova Twins, Cassiette, James and the Cold Gun, Twin Atlantic, who are going to be doing an exclusive acoustic forest set. And even though they told us, They would never play a gig.
3: They fell from the sky. That is They Fell From The Sky featuring 100 Reasons frontman and now massive liar Colin Duran. Colin came on this podcast and talked previously about 100 Reasons and they fell from the sky and he told us he'd never play a gig. So this now makes him a massive liar. And if you're going to 2,000 Trees, please make a big sign that says Colin You are a massive liar. Love from Sapling Podcast because he told us he'd never ever play a gig. I can't believe it.
1: 2003festival.co.uk forward slash tickets. Enter the promo code Sapling for 10% off and see for your eyes how much of a liar Colin is.
3: See for your eyes? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Yeah, cool. Anyway, let's get on with this, right? If you've got any questions or if you want to um, get in touch with us and let us know your thoughts on anything to do with the podcast, get in touch with us at Sapening Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And also, if you've enjoyed two or more episodes, you are actually legally obliged to sign up to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash sapnin. Other than that, shall we get on with this?
1: Yes, this is episode 175 of Slappening Podcast with the return of Lost Alone and Stephen Batal. Sopnin Sopnin Return of Patel Sopnin Sopnin Sopnin
3: Sopnin Yes. Yay! This week's guest is singer, songwriter, guitar wielding maniac, a vocal <laughs> fan, and back together with his band, ladies and gentlemen. This week's guest is the beautiful Stephen Battelle.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How are you? That was that was a, such a poor reaction for me to a very nice intro. Yeah. Don't seem excited was, about it. Like what's going no, on? I, I, I actually, I, I was, I was still coming down from shower and sat there. It's like one of the most energetic things I've done, like in the last kind of year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm over the moon to be to be talking to you guys because we obviously go back a long way, both like, the three of us, hmm. in different capacities. So um, yeah, this is the first interview I've done in so long. So I'm just yeah. I'm, I'm seriously buzzing. I've got hot chocolate. I've got chocolate fingers. Uh, oh. and I've got two satsumas in case I need to balance it out. <laughs> that, not that anybody can see, but just to prove to you guys, I do have two satsumas as well. Oh, well, we, tell you what, we'll do we'll keep them for the photo at the end. You can
1: order <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, it uh, we will. We will. But thanks for trusting us with your first interview in a while, man. I mean, there's uh, a lot we're going to get into, but just generally, how are you feeling? right now because as we mentioned lost alone are back you finally announced your return after eight years and then just <sighs> said yeah. you're going to do a couple of uh, low-key shows in stadiums <laughs> and cricket grounds with my chemical romance so how are you feeling about everything at the moment
0: i i just feel like genuinely like first off so happy that like reaction that i've seen and maybe like i don't know like if somebody's censored like words without telling me but the reaction to a us being backed by people who like my band and b just generally to i guess people who maybe didn't know us but checked it out because of my camp i just been felt like a wave of love that i've not felt like i kind of forgot like what that was like and i've just been buzzing since friday to be honest like i'm sat here on my own in my little studio room in london and i'm just absolutely like over the moon like i'm I'm probably doing the thing that, like, you're not supposed to do as, like, a quote-unquote mock star, but like, I'm replying to, like, every comment on every social media with, yes, me too. I'm just over the moon. So, yeah, just, it
3: feels so cool. feels so cool. When did you guys consider getting back together? Has it been something that you've been considering before the pandemic and stuff and before the My shows were originally announced?
0: Yeah, so, effectively, what happened was I was on the qm2 cruise ship sailing over the titanic graveyard and the captain announced it and because i was like the youngest person on this ship because like, everyone else was like properly old they couldn't really go on the top deck so i just had it to myself like every night and i was having these like biblical life moments and it's, like i'm looking at the stars like everything starts to like make sense in the world and i was just like i've got to get my bad back together like come on what we're we doing and I also, it should be noted, I also watched Titanic movie while sailing over its graveyard. I'd always wanted to do that. Like it was, it was just such a thing. So that's November 2019. And I, I when I got back from that, I said to the guys, look, I want to make some music for Lost Alone. I've been kind of whole, never wanted my band to end, but I had to like put a block the dam of Lost Alone music. And what I do is a, a job. I write songs as well. i have solo albums. So, so I, I pushed away like all the Lost Alone stuff. And it was just on there that I was like, it needs to be back. So I spoke to the guys and it was just purely like, should we just, like, I'll write some songs, should we make some music? Didn't think of any plan. And then I'd actually wrote, I'd been to Ray Toro from Mike M to his house a couple of times to write together in LA. And so we've, and we always get like a friendship, like me and Gerard and Frank and everyone, such a good time talking with them. After I decided that, sorry if this is long-winded, hopefully it's interesting. After I decided we we're going to do it, I got, because I've been talking to them, I then got offered solo to play the Mike M shows. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and insane as this sounds, what I'd seen the process of was turn it down because I had to then you know, officially, but Lost Alone would like to do it. So, like, I, I, I was like, oh, I don't want to send an email that says no to playing stadiums <laughs> as me. But I was like, got to be Lost Alone. So I messaged Ray and Gerard and was like, just want to let you know, like, Lost Alone back together secretly. And luckily, because I thought they might go, no, we just want you. But luckily they were like, like over the moon because they've always been fans like, of the band. So yeah, so that, that's like 2019 I've known, like we're doing this and that the band's black together. And it just has been like, obviously more important things in the world. Like, yeah, I've kept that secret since December 19th to like last Friday.
3: Yeah, well, well wow. I don't want to yeah, I don't want to blame you as much as I don't want to blame the blackout, <laughs> right? But I feel like, I feel like you I feel like you do. I feel like you're batsy In November 2019, the blackout were like, "Oh, in March 2020, that'll be the 5th anniversary of us splitting up. Should we play some songs?" And then if you're religious, right? If anybody's listening to this is religious. Their god or Jesus or Allah or Ganesh or Vishnu or whoever they pray to said oh, Sean's about to be happy again. I know, everybody must stay inside forever. So I'd like to think now, now that you had the conversation at the same time, Lost Alone and the blackout kind of... Yeah. Uh, what we've done is we've both sent it out there to the world and the world's gone, no, we don't want that now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've, I've always felt such a kinship with you and your band and this is just what'll be closer. Like, there's got to be some kind of... What's that thing that we've spoken about before the the alien UFO remote, like where you can actually contact the aliens. Yeah, the remote remotely. In, yeah. Um, Maybe, like, maybe it was around then that we were talking about that as well. And that's, we caused a pandemic because it's an alien virus that they went, oh, Stephen Sean back to, like, seriously get happy. Let's ruin
3: it. Yeah, let's chop them down. Yeah, do you know what? Seems, I'm, I'm pretty much 100% convinced that's exactly what happened. And, uh, <laughs> there's no other way around it.
0: It's the only plot, it's the only, it's the only, only plausible explanation. And I honestly believe if we were to take this evidence to Parliament, somebody would would raise it. it you know, we, we'd have pictures of an old kerrang of us two just getting held up by like a really angry Tory <laughs> yeah. going, yeah. these did it, these did it.
1: Oh, well, I, I, don't think, I don't think you guys really want to take the blame for all this. But besides that, it's, it's nice to see you so enthusiastic and happy about everything, Stephen. And uh, yeah, that's just a mad... Turn of events, really. I think if any other band or frontman got offered something like that as a solo act, they might they might take it. Feel a bit more cut for me, but no, you were so passionate about bringing the band back together that you, you got to do it a, a massive step like this.
0: It just it just felt so right. Like I'd love to have done it with my. I played shows with my solo band. They're like it's absolutely great, but like this this felt like we we all we discussed making music. We weren't sure what to do, I was like, well, here's what to do. We'll play some stadiums with it. Because there, there isn't a lot of like review over the years that didn't mention should be in stadiums. So I just it just it just felt like so natural. And yeah, I was over the moon to you know, I was over the moon to be like do it with my band and like genuinely didn't realise until this came out of the open this week how much a part of me has been dead the entire time the band hasn't existed. I always knew it was there and I loved it it was my life, but I genuinely feel like whole again. I don't want to get like too emotional, but like I, I, I suddenly feel like that. It's not like I'm going to be um, downplayed what I've done since and the songwriting and stuff that I love doing, but suddenly like I'm like, oh, yeah, that's an identity that I always felt I had. And I didn't realize it. I, don't want to, I just feel like a little bit more powerful in myself. Like, I've, like I don't know, it's just, it's just yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of hyper on it.
3: Yeah, I know exactly how you feel. Like, genuinely feel like Sean Smith from the Blackout is dead at the moment.
0: But he will rise. We know he'll
3: rise. <laughs> yeah. he, will know, so it, he will come again. He will come again. He'll be the second come in. Ah, oh, oh, that's what we call it. That's. Wait, let me write that down. Please. The Blackouts, the
0: Blackouts reunion tour. Second um, come in. No. I, I, oh. I, I would love to be involved in the reveal of that, and we could do some kind of biblical. Oh, I would I would like to play Jesus and I think you should be Lazarus and I'd like to raise you. Um, oh, no. raise We're you from you the uh, dead. Oh,
1: oh and then get Westlife to raise you up. No? Too oh, no, fast. No, I imagine, too fast. Yeah, no, no. No, 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 no I'd
0: like get Westlife in. I can get them in any anyway, yeah.
1: But but really, what would you say is like some of the biggest differences in your life? Now, from when the band originally called it a day in 2014, like what what do you think has really made you be able to bring that part of your life and that version of you back?
0: um Yes, yeah, a great question. And I think when we were in the band, that it was like 24 seven, like everything, every waking moment was there they just got a point with the band where like there was so much like bad business stuff going on, Insa- you know, insane acclaim for my band but it never you know it was just always like oh they, you've not done this not done this but like everyone going you're the best thing ever and like, everyone was it was just got a bit much so we weren't really enjoying it at the end I mean we broke up like four months after releasing a record that like everywhere on the planet just got called like the best of its genre and like all, all sorts of press said we were the most underrated band in the history of music all these kind of things that like it's just like and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying I believe any of that but I'm just trying to make a point of like It just, it just, you know, we got such a devoted fan base and I always like, just so grateful to them. But the difference now is when I decided I wanted to do it again, I said, it has to be fun because it became like not fun at the end because even the fun things sold out shows in my head on stage. I'm just thinking, what's next? What are we doing here? What's the actual situation? So it's frustrating. Whereas now I made it very clear, this is to be fun. The three of us in my band have got lives that we live, like, aside from it. That doesn't mean there's not, like, a commitment to this. It's like, for me, I'm I'm instantly back. But, like, it isn't going to be that thing of, like, stress. If it's a stressful thing, it's like, well, we don't have to do that. Like, we just do what makes us happy. So I guess that's the answer to the question I feel so – I honestly didn't think, even though, like, Sean probably feels this well, even though, like, I I didn't realise until last week that I didn't actually think this had ever happened until we decided to do it. And like now, I'm like why was I not plotting this for years? So many bands I know break up on purpose to get back and sell more tickets. Whereas I didn't plan this at all. It was just like I said on that cruise ship, like it was it was more of like a a real a real moment for me of like I have to do this again. So yeah, so um, the big difference is we want this to be a happy experience, and I'm not saying all of Lost Alone was a bad experience, but the end part of it was like, I mean, what else do we have to do? You know, we're doing all the right things. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I want this to be fun.
3: Was there a straw that kind of broke the camel's back with you? Really? Where you like this is waning a bit, and then all of a sudden there was.
0: It was. It was like like let me be really honest. I uh, like I like to be honest. It was like I think I would have just kept going forever, and it was more like that thing of like I could tell the, like after the album came out and it got all the things that you hope you dream an album will get. I remember driving past Stonehenge on tour as we got sent a copy of a double page Kerrang review that was like, still to this day, the greatest thing I've ever read about any band ever, like full marks. And this is how I am. I I tear up. Like I tear up at anything heroic and this felt heroic, but I was a hero. Like, but it felt like we got all these things. I think there was a lot of thing in like the kind of lost alone camp of like nothing that hasn't changed where we are. And so I think everybody aside thinking like, well, do we make another record now and get all the same and not move again? Everyone was signed to be a bit like, wanted to move on maybe. Not because they didn't want to do it, but because they didn't see how they could do it. And I want to stress that. It wasn't like, there was no lack of commitment from my two best mates in the band, but it was like, how how can we keep doing it at that point? So that's what broke the band was that we didn't see how we could keep this facade of like, Look how amazing we are because everyone says we are, but like actually, apart from very specific areas around the world, we're not selling out venues and we're not like, we're not doing the thing that this, what it looks like we should be doing. Yeah. So it just, it wasn't sustainable at that point. And um, yeah, that, that's a kind of, that's why it kind of ended. And I was absolutely devastated. It was like, it was like a, the worst thing that ever happened to in my life.
1: Well, that's the thing. We hear a lot from bands who have broken up on this podcast when they say it's really the business side and those elements take over really and create such a stress and disconnection from what's going on because obviously you guys wrote some incredible songs. You had a really dedicated fan base who would go to every show and create fan accounts, like all this kind of thing, really supportive behind you. But then when you're dealing with all these extra things you've got to worry about. It, it takes that fun away and then the cre- creativity and, and all that side of it as well.
0: Yeah, and I think like, I've do. i I've, I've heard a lot uh, on your podcast and, and other people I know in bands, I've heard I never it to like a sob story because at the end of the day, like me and my two best mates got to like travel the world. We signed an ma- amazing record you know, in America. Like we, we did all these things, but like just, just for example, for me, what I'd say on that is like, although it kind of came to a head at the end, Everybody else couldn't handle it. I feel like, genuinely, I've been dealing with such pressure the entire length of the band. I mean, when we signed to Brothers, I was the manager of the band. Like It was insane. Like, I was managing the band. I, I remember doing things like playing Wembley. And I, I always think about this. I don't think I ever enjoyed a moment. I just want it to have been done and gone well. Because when I'm on stage at Wembley, I'm thinking about, well, what, what are we doing next? Like, Where's the next thing? And like, how are we going to capitalize on this? We had bad situation with business and like yeah I, I just think i was always in like a perpetual like like because i write all the songs like i'd be writing it all and then i'd also be dealing with all the business side and it was just insane and then it, it broke when it became the the other guys and the management we had who I absolutely love and now that's still our management now actually but everybody was like this is not moving where it should do and i had to accept it but i think i'd be like even in like the best moments of the band i was still there stressing about like what's next. They were just and I, I think that's why, like I mentioned a minute ago, I, I'm intent on like enjoying this. It's unbelievable that we get to do it again. It's insane that like apart from the hometown show we just announced like the next show I'd be playing is like a stadium. It's insane. <laughs> so I am I'm intending on like enjoying this while also being very serious about the band and the music. Yeah. I I had no idea if that has answered the question, but... (laughs) (laughs) You
1: you just rant away what you like. That's what we're here for. That's what the podcast is for. But as you said, you want to make it as fun and you want to be getting on that stage now and just enjoying those moments. You've missed them so dearly. You don't want to start thinking about other things going on. So is there anything in particular now you're really going to to try with that where you can just live in that moment when you're on stage in front of all those thousands of people?
0: Man, yeah. I mean honestly like that's the key thing I've been trying to train myself is whatever happens, like I'm already if if anything bad was to happen in terms of anything, I've got to make sure that when I walk off the last of those shows, I don't have any regrets because I'd love to end up playing stadiums again. But like, let's be honest, like this is an amazing opportunity that, that Mike Ken guys have given us. I can't have it that like, you can't, you can't go to Gerard like after that show, oh man, it didn't go well. Any chance we could just like do another one. So I could, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it's it's not like a headline show where you can go put another show. I need to rectify this. I, I've got to make sure I can look at that audience and and take it in. And also like, I can't help it, but like the ambition in me is like, I want to, I want to walk off those stages, being like I've won that audience, and they're going to be buying tickets to see my band, and they're going to want to listen to music. I intend to go out there, and like live my Freddie Mercury dreams. that I've lived since I was eleven. You know, I'm, I've been I've been watching um, in preparation. If you watch uh, Queen at Live Aid, Brian May and Freddie Mercury have a very specific run that they do on stage. It involves kicking their heels up very high. So yeah. I been I and obviously that's the greatest performance ever. So. I think there's something in that. And I need to make sure I do the, as I run out, I need to be kicking the heels and kind of, I think that, that's going to sort it out.
3: Nice. I'd like to see you in a white vest um, with a studded <laughs> belt on your arm as well, if possible. And ha- always- only half a, only half a mic stand. Only half a mic stand. <laughs> oh,
0: mate. Uh, you know what? I, um, I can't think who it was, but I actually saw somebody the other day doing the half mic stand thing. I was furious because I was like, <laughs> you, you just can't like, you got to know that, that like that's so specific to Freddie yeah. Mercury. Like, don't, I can't think who it was, but it was somebody like proper. Like, I'm just like, come on. It was like, was it one of the? It wasn't one of
3: these bloody young bands that are out today. <laughs> that they've got oh, today, God. is it?
2: It,
0: it? it could have been, you know, it could have been a young, a youngling. Yeah, because they probably didn't even know about
3: Freddie Mercury. Because I thought, yeah, come on, come Mad on, Bastards Every- for-
0: you know what? I, you know, I did. Uh, this is uh, in case anybody listening doesn't understand my level of Queen ninja levels. Um, what I do now, I live in London every weekend, is I go and walk past places that uh, are Queen related and, and, and they're so obscure, some of them. So last weekend, this is so dodgy. It's pure stalker. <laughs> last weekend, I, and I'd never obviously, I didn't do anything other than walk past, no photos, like totally right. cool. But I found out where the most reclusive member of Queen lives, John Deacon. And I just walked past his house. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just went I just I just wanted to walk past and then and then on the same trip I went to a house in Barnes where Brian May, Freddie Mercury, Roger Taylor, and all of their friends when they were like uh, like late teens, just before falling queen, where they all lived in like a you know, like kind of squat flat. And I found out where that was in Barnes and just walked past that as well. It's just what a
3: weekend, honestly. <laughs> I do I do things like that myself. I've, I've caught myself doing things like... Um, one of my favourite films is a Welsh film called Twin Tongue, which I, I suggest everybody checks out, uh, starring Rhys Evans. And, um, On it. yeah, I've literally been, and I'm a grown-up now, mind, I have literally <laughs> been to Port Talbot looking for scenes from that film to just stand okay. there and be like, this is fucking mad.
0: But I love it's this so, film. It's just so cool. Yeah, it's so cool. My, my thing with going to the Queen locations is very much like, because they're not, it's not like going to a place where like they played or something. Like it's, I've so like, since I was like 11, being so like obsessed with Queen, it's about going to these places I've read about. They're sitting here in London where I live now thinking, oh, I could I could go that place that's in that book. <laughs> and like where it's just mentioned, like this house that has got no, they just were there, you know, like in 1969. But to me, like, Putting on one of their early albums, but I know they wrote songs in that garden. I've seen a photo walking past it. It's something magical for me. That like I don't know, like it's just just fantastic. So yeah, that's, that's what I do at the weekend. Yeah, what is um what is your favorite? Because I've seen
3: I've seen you like interacting with Brian May, and you know? ah, what's oh yeah, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what's favorite, oh yeah. Um, yeah, what's your favorite? Yeah, uh, what's your favorite Queen moment that you've had personally?
0: Uh, what involved you? Uh, which was, which was my, fir- my first actual interaction in May, because you know, there's been a few now. It was the Craig Awards, Craig Awards, when you were sat on a table next to the Queen, and you so kindly came to my table and went, Dude, come and sit on our table because we're near Queen. And when they got up to walk on stage to get like greatest living humans ever or something, <laughs> like, well, I got to high five them because your table was right next to them. And then I think it was you. But one of you like recorded me singing into their phone, and were like, "Whatever you sing now, because you've touched Brian May, will be like influenced." And maybe it wasn't no, it wasn't singing. It was it was a key, it was like a little, phone with a little keyboard or something. Anyway, you sent it me. It was titled "The Bohemian Handshake," and I did actually, <laughs> I, I did actually put it in my solo album. Like you, you can't tell, but it's on my record. Uh, wow. So that was a. That was the first time I met Brian May. And then later that night, a Krang photographer like knew I was a big Queen fan and grabbed Brian May and was like, he just he just did a really lovely thing, which was like introduced him to me like as like on a level. Is it not that I was on his level, but like not just me going going, hi Brian, but like a guy going, Steve's a seems a rock star. Travel at home I'm doing inverted commas there. And then I just ran around the Krang boards going, It's May Day, it's May Day. And then finally, then I was invited to Brian May's guitar's fiftieth birthday by May. Um, and, uh, it was it was one of the greatest nights ever. Um, I loved that his so, guitar's like got a birthday. His, his course, guitar gets more birthday parties than me. So honestly, I was more starstruck that by that guitar than him. But again, for your listeners, if you don't know, Brian May built his. This is turning to a bit like a Queen special podcast. It's uh, it's it's Go um, for it. Brian May built his guitar with his father in like the mid-60s because he couldn't afford a guitar. So this guitar he built out of like a fireplace and like a knitting needle, his, his fret markers, or his mother's mother of pearl like things. He's played it on every Queen record, every live performance apart from if he snaps a string, he gets given a copy of it. So that, it was birthday for his guitar he built with his father. And I thought it'd be like loads of people. It was at some like members club in London. There's like 30 people there, including me. I walked in and May hands me a glass of red wine, which I don't like. But I'm just like, yes, yes, Brian, I will drink red wine. Um, and then I got to stand, like ch- chatted with him. And then he kind of had like a little stage show with the guitar. And then he just like chatted to everybody. Then he went on stage, he was like introduced. And he basically just for an hour talked about his whole career building his guitar. Then he just soloed in my face, Like, like, like <laughs> he played, he played, he played the Bohemian Rhapsody guitar solo, like in my face. It was just insane. I was just one of the happiest wow. things ever. So that that's a few of my queen interactions. I met Roger Taylor as well and he was still with Jeff Beck and he beckoned me over, no pun intended, and they said, Your hair your hair is like ours in the seventies. And I was like, Yes, it is. And it was so good.
1: <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yeah. Just oh. tuned to him and
0: go, Roger, you're goddamn right. It was <laughs> it was so it was so good. I think I really I really got in with him because I said um Roger, my favourite song of yours is your solo song Foreign Stand. Oh, that's lovely. A um, bit long. And I went, it's just long enough. And then, <laughs> check, check this out. He's just recently released a new album and he's put that song on it and it ends up mm. it. And I'm like, because I said that to him six years ago. Yeah. has he put it on, that. that's 100%
1: yeah, what's that. happened. It's your, that's in, you. That's I'm, all I'm, you.
0: I'm in Queen. I'm (laughs) (laughs) I'm Oh, Similar
3: story Similar story I'm trying to do Is um, I don't know if you know But uh, the Limp Bizkit Have brought out a new album Called Still Sucks And I like to think That Mm. they've called it that Because my Twitter username Is Sean Smith Sucks So they've seen that And gone well I heard
0: that's true I heard that's true And I'm basing that on All I'm basing on That's true Is that When we played Sonosphere He watched us side stage And now I like to think that I can hear what he thinks. And he did say, <laughs> he, he, he did say the guy for the blackout is that
1: new album. Wow, there we are. <laughs> so, what?
0: that's fact. Good, yeah. Uh,
1: nice. I'm, ga-
0: I'm, glad, I'm,
1: I'm glad you've cleared that up. I'm glad you've cleared that up. But so, honestly, so man, that's, that's living the dream with all of those Queen things. And just talk about kind of mad connections you have with bands. You know, you've, you've said there your friendship with My Chemical Romance. And like, can you just talk to us a little bit like how that really came to fruition? Because you guys seem very, very close. Jared has mentioned numerous of times in kind of interviews and online that how much of a fan he is of Lost Alone and that your music kind of helped him at a really bad time of his life. But like, how did this kind of the friendship beginning escalate to what it is now?
0: Yeah, OK, well, I, I think I've like said, wrote this in a couple of things, but it's so nice to have opportunity to tell us because I think this is one of the greatest stories ever. If everyone else wants to like tweet and say it isn't, feel free to like. <laughs> love. Add, pod, add <laughs> something pod. Add something pod on Twitter yeah, yeah. <laughs> tweet, tweet that. Don't, I'll, 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 I'll be muting that in case you all hate this. But um, <laughs> so 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 effectively, what 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 happened was we very early in my band's career, we played a thing called Taste the Chaos, but it was on a side stage. Like mean, we weren't a proper band, and we, there was a, a big green gaffer tape square. Where we, if we were told if we went over it, we were kicked off. We could play within that square. Alexis on fire was their crew was sound checking that we could hear while we were playing. It was quite weird. So it wasn't. I don't mean any disrespect to them, but it was quite a disrespectful way to do it. Like you're playing, but there's also like literally a sound check going on in the same room. Like it was weird. Anyway, so we're playing, and I, I look around. And it's like um, I I don't know why it's this, but my shoe used to fly in the air. And I used to catch up my guitar and solo with it. And I remember as I was looking up to catch my guitar, I was like, wait, 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 there, wait, wait <laughs> there, Steve.
3: The answer to that is, why did you do that? It's because you could do that. And that's yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, carry yeah, on, so yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, so oh. as, as my, as my uh, limited edition Luke Skywalker, Adidas, was mid-air, <laughs> I noticed that like all the bands on the bill, like the, the real bands, taking back Sunday, Under Rose, Alex uh, and Fire. I noticed they were all like watching us play, and I was like, oh, "That's so cool that like you know the big bands watching the bands." It turns out like that was like an anomaly, and like they they clearly heard how incredible we were. And I'm saying that you know I have to keep around people can't, people don't know me, and realize I'm I'm not that arrogant. But you know, obviously thought we were good. And um, after this, we're only supposed to play one show, and after the show, all the time, were like, "Oh, you guys are amazing!" And they got us put on the rest of the shows. Um, taking Back Sundays. Front the house after that tour became paramore's from the house and taking back sunday's guitar tech after that show became second in second in command at mike m's management so they took a cd away each of our first album that we just done independently so first thing that happened after that is i got a message from hayley williams going we love your band can you talk with us i was like cool like <laughs> paramore like, had not released wire they were about to yeah. i didn't actually know uh, so we actually ended up then playing Riot release shows and like then they invited us on to talk three more times him because we got on so well. So that was a Paramore thing. And then the thing that I think is just the most biblical story ever is that I checked my uh, my Mac mail trash on a Monday morning weeks after this, and there was an email from this guy GFP who'd been taking out Sunday's guitar tech. Now at my cam. it had come weeks ago, inviting us saying Gerard is a massive fan of the album. Can you come to Nossi Marina Black Parade show? We'd love to meet you. I'm emptying my trash and see this. And the show is that night.
3: No Oh my God. My, no and way.
0: I'm, and I'm freaking out. I'm like messaging the guys that. going, no way. Check this out. Like, it's a backpedal a tiny bit. I am being at my friend Chris Danton's house and seeing Helena, thinking it was the most incredible video and song ever. It's the first time I'd not heard Mike Hen before that. I was on a solid diet of Queen, like that's all I listened to. <laughs> and I do remember, and this is why I think it's this weird biblical, like uh, back to the, the being on the QM2 and looking at them, you know, getting like something out there. I remember thinking, I feel a connection with that band. I'm not trying to say like we're as good as Mike or, you know, but I was like, I feel like it, there's something they're doing there. We're, there's something there. So anyway, so just to back out of that and back to this day, I messaged yesterday and go, dude, I just seen this, loves to come tonight. And luckily, it was like, yeah, cool. You have to guess this? So we go to the Oscar arena. We watch um, the Mike M uh, Black Parade show, amazing. Gerard comes out like a gurdy, and it's like proper like theatrical show. Then I get taken backstage after, and um, Gerard comes out, and it's just like, oh my god, like my album's my favorite record. Like I'm just obsessed and all this. And then meet Ray, meet all the guys, and it's just lovely. That's it. I'm like, cool. That's wicked. Go home, buzzing. Stuff's going on for the band at this point. We've signed like an independent, you in know, Germany. We're, up, we're going off the tour there. We're about to do some Ed Shikari dates, become friends with them. they have heard on music, you know, all this cool stuff. The next day, I get a phone call from Jeff P and, and Gerard is giggling in the background. And Jeff's like, what are you do on Sunday? I'm like, just, just rehearsing. He was like, Thursday have been dropped. They've got no tours to and have gone back to America. Can you join the Black Parade tour? In Dublin on Sunday, no. and I'm just like, no. I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm just like, there nah, no. Nah. But I'm like, and, and do you know what? Do you know what the crazy thing is? And when I think about it now, I'm like, the first thing I said it's like, I don't think we can afford to get there. Like, <laughs> like, I was like, honestly, like, how do you get? At like, that point in my life, I was like, how do you get to Dublin with a band? And he was just like, he was just like, how much do you need? I was like, a thousand pounds. But I did <laughs> just said, I was just like, I. And they were like, cool, we'll transfer it. I was like, cool. What is happening? So then we get to Dublin, meet the lead singer of Def Leppard, who's at the show. And I'm just like, this is just insane. Um, <laughs> but he's there because his kids are big Mike M fans. And everything, but I'm a big Def Leppard fans, So I'm just like, yes. So then and then Je- Jeff P is like, um, Gerard at this point, mind hasn't seen us play. He just loves the record. So Jeff P's like, before I walk on stage, he's like, I'd only ever played at this point to like, you know, five, six hundred people. And now played to like this like cow shed, it was like an arena, but like an old school, like just a big square, fifteen thousand people, and with the only support. And uh I just walking out Jeff P like, better be good, because I've told you are that you are like the best live band. And I'm just like, oh, Okay. <laughs> and, um, yeah, no pressure. Yeah, no pressure. But anyway, we had a wicked show. It's my first time ever, just like first song, there's footage is on YouTube, but Like first song, I just got everybody clapping. It was like, okay, I like this. Uh, you know, like clapping along and stuff. So again, we're all singing and a cough and it's just amazing. And then literally they asked us to join the rest of the tour with them and people for a friend in Europe because they're just like, we just want to see you play. So that's how it started. Sorry, that was a bit of a long story. Um, that's how it started. And, and that summer, our records started doing really well in Europe and we not only did them shows with them, but we then were like on rock and ring and stuff with them. And we just had a lovely summer where like we were following each other around either with plane or, and then effectively loads of kind of weird stuff happened with like management and stuff, but it then turned into like another epic story. If, if you're happy to hear this. Bring um, it on. The next part of the epic story is our original bass player leaves. Like this is like a year later. Things were weird and, and we're not sure what we're going to do and sign and stuff. And we lost our management. I did never have Gerard's personal email or anything. We were always just like tall buddies and stuff. And I'm always like, I've always been like that. I don't like punish people. I'm not like, cover number, cover your email. I'm just like, I'm always, I'm always very like, just cool with everybody, like you should be. But anyway, so I was like, I reckon Gerard's going to help us here. I just know it. He's a big fan. I found his business manager's email on the back of the Black Parade is Dead live album, rehearsed a speech of how am I going to get past the secretary, and rang the number and was about to make a speech, and she just went, I'll put you through. I was like, oh. And I went, hey, man, like, I know you probably just can't give me Gerard's details, but like, I'm just trying to get a hold of him. He's into my band. He was like, I'll make sure he hears about this today. I just thought, whatever. Literally that evening, an American number rings, it's just Gerard. And he's like, dude, I'm so glad I've wanted to be in touch. How can I help? And that, that weekend, I send him like 90 demos that I've done, like really bad quality. And he asks me if it's okay if he takes them into Craig Aronson at Warner Brothers to get us a record deal. And I'm like, This is okay. Like, <laughs>
2: like, do you know what, Gerard? Yeah. Do
3: you know what? <laughs> I
0: wouldn't
3: yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't usually let somebody do this for us, but <laughs>
0: Yeah, go, yeah, ah, go on
1: Go on.
3: I'm gonna I'm
0: gonna let you man. like, you know, yeah. So um really magical thing we were just mere mark at this point, we didn't have a bass player. So this week, the way that week, the original bass player leaves on Wednesday. Friday, I get a hold of Gerard. Weekend, I send all this stuff to Gerard. He's loving the demos. Monday, asks me if it's okay to take it to Craig Aronson, who um, I mentioned him in a minute, actually, which I'd really like to. Wednesday, I'm in the cinema, and Gerard calls me giggling again. He's in the hospital where his wife's about to give birth, but he just wants to let me know that Warner have told him they're going to offer us a record deal. And now he's got to go because like he's got to uh, get back. No. Wow. And I was like, <laughs> what? So, so it's like that. And that was like, oh, also, and on the Monday between that, we auditioned. because this guy in Glasgow has been on our shows, he's got hair like ours. And me and Mark like, he will fit if he could play bass. <laughs> <laughs> it, was most, it was the most superficial thing ever. Uh, we knew he was a good guy. His band had supported us. He's, he'd come down on Monday. We'd not told him any of this, like, because we wanted him to see if he'd like. But he comes down, and me and Mark like, we're not going to offer him to join the band. Like, let's just like, or you know, be cool. Audition. He plays like one song, sings it all, so perfect. Like, dude, join the band. He moved to Derby that day, left Glasgow without knowing that all this wicked stuff's going on. So he gets to like the day after he's joined the band, get offered a major record at Warner Brothers, and the guy left the band the week before because, uh, well, I won't say why, but like, he, he didn't think the band was going anywhere. Let's just say he obviously <laughs> like that was not cool for him. Um, but yeah, man. So. It's like a lot of love, like, you know, the, yeah. and then what's, what's really lovely is like, just like with yourself, Sean, um, I've always thought that my band, as well as like being absolutely wicked, and I like songs I think people like, we've always just been nice people, and I love meeting people, and that's why me and Sean still talk, and that's why, exact same reason that writing with Ray in LA and like me and Gerard talk, and all the different bands, like, I know a lot of bands you talk with, you don't see them again. I, maybe I'm just a bit too like emotional. But I like I keep in touch with all the people I've liked on tour, and it doesn't. It's not like a cynical thing. Like just keep in touch with the big bands. Like you, you know what I mean. Like I'm afraid I. These are experiences that like are huge. Like the tour with the Black One of the funniest tours I've ever done. Loved you guys. Like I love like they're, fr- they're they're people who have shared same experiences. I want to keep them people as my friends. So just happens that like got some big bands as well. And I've been afforded the opportunity to like, you know, like with Ray and like, just wicked. I love it. We all do the same things to varying degrees of success. And what I like about it, like, guys like yourself and like my Ken guys and paramore and everything, is we're all just like, we all just love making music. And there's no like ego. whether one person, it's just like we've all sat on the back of like our gear and transit bands, like, and that's so true for like the biggest yeah. bands mm. we've all done that and there's a shared kind of community of knowing what that's like there's a some epic stories for you anyway that would be
1: nice mate honestly the amount of people who were just going to be listening to this and thought that was absolutely beautiful so thank you oh, for sharing so. that and so. it's, yeah it's just mad to see some of the biggest rock stars in the world are just giggling phoning you and just trying to like you know see, that's, so, that's, sort that's you that's out just, with that's, stuff
0: that's just how I roll do you know what I mean like, I'm, <laughs> that's I'm the man man who, I'm the man who but no, like genuinely, I always remember, like, I don't know if Sean will remember this either because he definitely wasn't part of it, but there was a real thing about my band at the, t- at the time where our first tours were Mike M made support, Paramore made support, to Mars made support, and Shikara made support. And loads of bands who I'm not friends with thought we were some kind of like paying on to tours and stuff. Ah. And the, lo- the lovely thing about it, which I mean, I don't, I don't care. Like I live in my... I live in like a fantasy land where, like, you, you run like Freddie Mercury and you just, you just write songs all day. And they're the best things ever. But, like, um, I just always remember I wanted to at the time go, they literally email me because they like my music. Like, it's a, I know it's an anomaly, but the thing I love the most, we were talking earlier in the podcast about the, the downer things of these people like the songs I wrote. Like, and that's why they asked us to play with them. It wasn't like a strategy by a manager or something to go, we should get this tour. It was like bands going, oh my god, Like we really want to see you guys play because we like it and, and like with Gerard, like you mentioned about my music like saved his life at a point I need it. The conversations we've had since, like we feel like, like we have a lot of the same influences, Queen, Bowie, Iron Maiden, Massive was, We come from the same place just from a different part of the world. The influences are unbelievably identical. The things that make us have that shiver up the spine the way a chorus will kick in are the same and that goes for like Ray as well and and. Yeah, so and and I also just wanted to mention, while I remember it, I mentioned Craig Anderson, who signed us to one of us. He actually passed away a few years ago. Um, I just wanted to shout out to him because he he signed Mike M. He signed us. He's part of like at the driving, game signed. Uh, He signed. I remember watching the Mike M. documentary, um, Life on the Murder Scene, and he's in it. Like he tried to sign Jimmy the Jimmy World twice. He's just this legendary R guy. He signed my band, and that was like an insane thing for us to be like put in the world of that you know um, <laughs>
2: yeah
0: um but yeah he That's suddenly awesome. passed away but like, i just sort of do a mm. big shout out like, he's like of course um <clears throat> just the greatest greatest guy and then and when we made the album with him i must say is um every day write, write and demo a song so that by the time it was morning in la where he was he would have a new demo and then I, it, i've never had an experience like this the enthusiasm of like it was the most fun part of my life actually well, I, I wrote something knowing that evening I was going to get feedback from a real trusted a guy who'd done it all, and then he'd say, "Do this, do this." And then the next morning, he set me charges like, "Right, we're the champions." Like, right, you know, like right, you're, and like every day I'd just be like, "Yeah, I need to like buy we're the champions," and it was just the best. Like, he, he made that second or third album like it's definitely a fan favorite. And he really like made that like like special record. So I just want to throw that throw that out. And yeah, yeah, awesome.
3: Well, yeah, you you mentioned. Um... You know, writing with Ray and stuff, and I've noticed you've been writing for other people lately. Can you tell us a bit about that? Can you tell us about um, your first offer to write for somebody else?
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mmm!
0: Yeah, so I think, like, quite crazily, the second the band ended, I was just like, well, I'm a songwriter. Obviously, that's my job now. Because I wrote every single I've always wanted to just write like songs. We never co wrote in the band. And I instantly realized, like, to be a songwriter, you have to co write. I remembered that when I was like 14, I used to win cross country at school, always destroy everybody. I like so far ahead. And then mum and dad sent me to like, Doggy Athletics to like, I'm clearly, like, the greatest, like, longest runner on earth. <laughs> I, I was, like, instantly humiliated. Like, I was lapped so many times by, like, actual athletes. And I was so bad-hearted. So when the band ended, I was like, I need to do the equivalent of that for songwriting. So I've been to Nashville a few times, and I'm like, throw me in the deep end and see if, like, in the songwriting mecca, and I'll I will say as good as can. because, again, I sound like such an arrogant guy, but I need to see if I actually, like, can I just write lots of songs or can I do this? We've got a lovely friend in Nashville called Dan Weller. He's in a band called Florida Georgia Line, which are a stupidly big country band in, in America. And he just set us up with like, a, and, I, and like every day for like three weeks, a different artist come every day. And I just had to write with him. It was amazing. And I, I stood up with these great writers. So that's how I kind of like give me the confidence. And then I moved to London and I've got a songwriting manager. And the game is to get you in rooms with artists. So he's like, sign a band again. And so you've had a hit. You once know, you get a room here. Uh, what's been nice, got a long story short, write a lot of stuff, had a couple of really cool things, but the thing I'm really enjoying at the moment, and I, it's been such an incredible experience, last May, I was asked by a mutual friend of ours, Jason Perry, of A-Fame, and mm-hmm, producer mm-hmm. extraordinaire, we'd met and done a couple of writes actually, like for other artists, he hit me up and said, can you write some songs, uh, or some some riffs? I was like, that's the stupidest question I've ever heard. Like can, <laughs> yes, <Like>, yes, <yesterday laughs> yes. I can. Like,
3: yeah. can you <laughs> breathe <laughs> oxygen? Can
0: yeah. I breathe but oxygen? When, when J- Jason, Jason knew what he was asking. I was, I was like, so I wrote like ten riffs in like an hour and sent him. And it was for McFly. And so, and I thought, yeah, cool. I know he works for them. Whatever. And like. Then he messaged me like a couple of days later, going, "I think we're gonna use one of his riffs to the song." I was like, and for me, like, in my writing capacity. Never had any interaction before. That's like a big deal to me. That's like a, a band that's like woven into the culture of like, like my grandma knows them. to so like my cousins like you know yeah. they are yeah. wicked. So then he said they want you to come down. I was like wicked. So I went down, uh, met the guys. Absolutely fell in love with them straight away. I had no preconceptions. I don't know anything about them, but instantly was like you know, it's my ignorance. I didn't realise how good players they would be mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. the, some of the best songwriters like, I've ever met in my life. Um, we got on so well straight away. Like, it's weird that, like, everything I like seems to, like, one of them, it's mm-hmm. their favourite thing. Like, Harry the drummer's obsessed with Alan Partridge. Hello, so am I. Uh, Tom is a big Disney Home Alone fan. I have mean, got Home Alone tattoo on my arm. Like, Joggy and me, just, like, obsessed with, like, Van Halen and everything. And Danny and me, the song... so. We all had this like instant connection. What started just like me sitting down and jamming and like maybe write some songs, has become almost like just like the most fulfilling writing situation in my life, where I feel it's the only thing outside my own band where I feel part of their making of their record because I've been down with them now since May, mm-hmm. most weeks, and we're just uh, just the best guys. I, I, I adore them right? as friends now, and as like genius songwriters, I've, I've got to be fair on that. Like absolute genius songline and attention to—they've taught me so much stuff as well about like being happy with something, but then like not settling with being happy. Like keep going. Like like they're just so I just love them, and it's been a brilliant experience. And outside of my own band, I've never felt so close to like another band's actual record because I'm so involved in more than like not least not like in, in songline a lot for people who don't know co-writing. You can go in with someone a day, write a song, and then you don't really know if they even liked you or sit and say, I'm releasing that song. And you're like, yes. But like with the McFly guys, it's become like a new friendship that and friendship a treasure. And I went to see them and I'd never seen them or anything. So ignorant because I, I, obviously from the alternate, you know, rock scene and stuff. And when I went to see them, it's like no different to seeing like Weezer. They're a big, big, full on rock band and it was like a stadium rock show I saw. And it was like, I was like, yes, it's amazing. And the record they're making is so good. So, yeah, so on the songwriting thing, I'm writing with so many artists, man. I'm writing with this kid called Tommy, like 19, plays like Dire Straits, but in a more pop kind of new... I just get so much out of it. Like um, me and Ralph and Chicago, have been doing some co-writing and we've actually formed a little team with uh, Danny and Dougie from McFly as well, where we're doing some. So it's just Ooh. always like like really cool, like writing for other people together, you know. So I finally feel like after starting songwriting where maybe I was getting sent in with people, I wasn't too sure if like, it's me. I've now found this like kind of area where like, well, actually, hold on. If like me, Danny, Dougie Rao got together and a cool kind of new artist who wants to be pop music now is different to like five, 10 years ago, where it's more like, and no disrespect to it, but like, you know, bands, like, it was very bland kind of pop. Most of like the real innovation, like like quite old like stuff we'd be like happy to do, like really quite mental music is in pop music where it isn't your normal streets, just like make it as crazy as possible, but make sure it's hooky. And that's where I think like my little team now with Rao and and and, and Danny is like we're having fun. So yeah, so that's my little um, that's when I was songwriting and I absolutely love it. And that's how it happened with Ray as well. I just hit him up like, dude, I'll give you LA. Should we write some songs? He was like, Let's do it. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of stuff like that now. Like, I'm, I'm such a cynical person. <laughs> of me, but I feel like I'm, being, I'm just on sort
1: a of high of my band being back, but I am very dude, grateful. No, dude, honestly, for, for me, that was crazy just to hear the whole McFly thing because I'm like a McFly super fan. They were my first love. Um, and the, yeah. Yeah, They've actually helped me with so many things. Like, I did notice that like, the guys have been commenting on so many things to do with their return of Lost Alone and stuff. So it's, it's crazy that you guys have got all that going on.
0: Yeah, dude, that, that's that been, that's what was really nice as well. Like, they um, obviously get, you know, I mean, it's, what is it now? It's like, it's almost April, it's almost a year since I've started working with them, and it's this constant thing. And I'm just over the moon with them. Uh, I never like to bring my band into writing sessions. They walk in going, hey guys, check out my band. Do you know what I mean? But they obviously wanted to know what i had done, and they really dug the band. So they, they instantly, like, that's no problem, Dougie's name either. Um, I didn't mean that. Um, but, you know, they, 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 uh, they, they like the band. So that, that was, really nice as well. So, um, yeah, it's just been a bit of a whirlwind. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm finding myself being, like, less cynical than probably the last time we would have spoken. <laughs> just, maybe, maybe, maybe we should do this again in, like, six months and so I'll be, like, angry about everything again. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. Caught
1: yeah. we caught you on the high. We
3: caught you on the high.
0: Remember when I used to, like, McFly, Sean? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when I was? Yeah.
3: Those oh. fucking guys from McFly, what? the Riff-stealing fucks. <laughs> well, just,
1: just just to say, if you and McFly are writing some songs and you feel like you need a fan to come in and sit down and just you know see if he likes the song, I, I'll make myself available. I don't mind. Jesus, I'll put
3: myself-
0: <laughs> no, no, listen, listen, it's always worth trying that. but Unfortunately, I'm I'm not the guy who can be. I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy who. Yeah, I'm not the guy who can facilitate that. But yeah, oh, shout, massive shout out to Jason as well for getting me involved in that. Um, absolutely wicked collaborating with him as well because the writing with Rick fly was quite different because they were actually making the record. It was all in one place. It wasn't like we're writing. It was kind of evolved from writing to actually like we're in the scene making it. And I'm, you know what I mean? So I got to see Jason in his role as our producer. And he, he's just like the energy. Yeah. I'm a big fan of his band, A. So just, just to get to work with Jason's like, like Wicked and um, yeah, massive shout out to him.
3: Yeah, I've always thought you and Jason's energies uh, match each other perfectly. And um, you both love the use of the word ace as well. We um, do, yeah. So, we really you do, know, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to say you're exact twins like him and his brother, yeah. but you do like <laughs> the word ace and you are very yeah. happy like him and you have a very positive vibe like him. So, I yeah, I guess I've, I I had a feeling. I had a feeling that at some point you and him must get together and, and write some stuff. Do you
0: know the first place we actually did a session together? And this is another good little uh, tidbit, if that's the correct term. The first place we did a session together was in the house from the movie Notting Hill. I, and I was given the key to it to open up on the second day. And when I came to open the door, like, there were genuinely like movie fans stood there with cameras. And I, it was like a scene out of a comic book film where like I pushed past them like to open it. They were like, <gasps> I just couldn't believe it. Like, I, I just, like, I just, they were like there, like having selfies outside the door. And I just walk in. It's a scene where I think the guy opens the door and like this is underwear. Full full circle. Receive bands from the, Twin Tubs. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's where me and Jason did. Uh, that's when Jason first like did a write together way way before he invited me to the Fly thing. Yeah, I feel like that's the most perfect place me and Jason could have met.
1: I'm loving all of these stories and your connections with bands people just would not expect. It's absolutely beautiful and just how happy you are. But I'm going to hit you with a couple of. Um, quick, of questions. silly questions now because <laughs> okay, okay. don't, we don't want to yeah. take up too much of your time because you've got so many riffs to write. Um, I've heard through the Grapevine that one thing you love to do when you finish making a record, I'm not sure if it's with other people, yourself or whatnot, you like to just build a Lego set as a celebration. A, yes. is this true? Yes, it is. what is some of the biggest Lego sets you've uh,
0: built? Oh, dude! So it's, uh, when I finish a record or it's, it's also uh, in that period between Christmas and New Year. Right, where I make sure like I get, like, <laughs> I, like I get, I, um, effectively. Like uh, you know, I know you said it's a silly question, but I'm going to take it very seriously. Oh, uh, please I, do, please I'm do. Very, very serious about my uh, my build time. I actually thought I'd come up with this, but I didn't realise I watched a documentary on the South Park guys, and, and Trey Parker said the same thing. But if there's anyone out there who like needs, to, if there's anyone out there who's creative and needs you need to switch off, because when you're creative, all you do, like all I do is write songs all day, either for myself or other people. And what building Lego does, and Trey from South Park, guys said this in the documentary, is you still do so creative, but you mindlessly follow a manual and you don't have to do any thinking other than do what it says. And it's a real, it's like a meditation. It's a way to just, I can't relax. I've not relaxed since my mum, like, well, just prior to being given birth, because I'm sure I wasn't relaxed when it happened, but like while I was still in, internal, I've not relaxed with them, but how I do relax is Lego. And it started with just like a, a couple of like Lego architecture, and then I started getting more ambitious. I waited till Trump was out of the White House, but I loved the TV show, The West Wing. So I got The West Wing in Lego, which you guys can probably see, not everyone at home, but it's just behind me. I swore I would not build The West Wing and The White House while Trump was in office, but as soon as it was out, I built it and it was one of the favourite builds ever and I did it on Instagram with like the build time when I got a thing which I call Lego ass which is like because you don't move. <laughs> that build was 7.5 <laughs> hours straight. Like I don't do anything else but happened this Christmas just past biggest build in my life. I got for Christmas off my parents because it was a bit pricey. I got the Home Alone house and it's massive. I mean it is properly insanely detailed. Like, like I'll, I'll post some pictures so you guys can share this when people have read this but oh please um and i documented it so intensely over christmas where i had people like it was what some people did at christmas was follow my build but it was i think it was 20 21 hours roughly non-stop build time um and it was genuinely one of the greatest experiences of my life it it calms calms the mind but i mean it's just so much I don't know, I had Home Alone on. It was Christmas. I was, I'm looking at it now. You got, uh, you guys can't see it just there. And I've got the Harry Potter one there as well. And I've got Brandon Gate there. I'm surrounded by a Lego. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's also been a monument. Like you said, so every time I finish something, some people like to do these things. I like to build a Lego and it resets a little bit. I really recommend it to like a creative that needs to A, just clear the mind or B, like have a reset. It's like, finish that. Let's build a Lego. I and mean, I've, I've recommended it to loads of other creative people and they've all gone. Yeah, I'm going to do that. And it really is a cool like, leveler. So yeah, I'm absolutely obsessed. I'm obsessed with building low now.
3: Well, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, one thing I definitely wanted to talk about, um, and it's something that me and you have conversed uh, about quite a few times, is um, UFOs. Seen any good ones lately? Seen any good footage lately?
0: No, you know what? I've not. I've not seen any. Uh, the, the last, like, what I do with UFO stuff is, probably a bit like you, but I... I go deep a week where I'm like, oh my God, everything is it's happening, it's all this. And then I have to just be like, you know what? Like, I, I literally, because what do you do? Like, we do kind of things like what we do, where like, I don't have like a boss. Like, it's very good that I'm very self motivated. Like, I get up in the morning and I, no one tells me you've got a session next, on the next day, so make sure I just like to do it. But occasionally you can just sit after and go, I'm going hardcore UFOing. And then that's it, you know, you just, just in it. I'm the, I'm the guy that called the Second Lost Zone album, I'm the UFO in this city. So my yeah. UFO thing about I watched that, was it the phenomenon? Is it called or phenomenal? Like, it was a it was a, a good new documentary that you and me Sean talked about and I got dead excited. Was it the start of this year or last when it, it was saying there's about to be stuff like released and it was not really I think it was around the pandemic kicking off, so where kind of like crazy stuff did actually come out, but it didn't really get the attention that the likes of us together but i will say my greatest sighting was it all comes back to the the voyage i took across the atlantic sunday's seven nights but you've got to understand that in the middle of the ocean the sky is insane like i personally never seen anything like that in my life where you know those photos like that like um apple apple uses them you know you can use as backdrops where it's just stars like that's what it's like in the, the atlantic you, you feel like you're in a sci-fi because It's just like I'm on like the surface of a planet, and there's the sky, and sat there a few nights. Whether it's a trick of the mind or not, or whether you want to see it, but I was seeing so much like you know stuff that like can't be natural because it's changing, and and I was like, yeah, it was it was was just phenomenal. Sean, well, in fact, all of us were like, well, let's do a cruise and do some faux podcasting. (laughs) Oh Oh, yeah, let's do that. that. I'd also oh. like to say uh, I'm not a spokesperson for Cunard, but the only the only thing other than Lego that has relaxed me, uh, and I won this cruise as well. I want to be clear; I didn't pay for it. It is the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. Seven days, seven nights, no internet. I thought I'd be freaking. It was a it's a cruise ship, the QM2, that's an old one, so it's like it's like you know what? If you watch the Titanic, about this tragic end. It's old school, so when you, when you walk yeah. on, it's uh, Yeah, without the old yeah. the massive death. Um, <laughs> it, but, but, but what I mean is, like, the actual ship is, you know you, you know, you can get all these, like, new ones where it's, like, party time. It's, like, string quartet as you walk on, and, like, is very formal, properly, well, like, a suit for, for dinner, and I just embraced it. And, like, David Gower, the cricketer, was on the, the cruise, uh, which was just hilarious. I'm talking about cruises for no reason. I'm Just obsessed with it. I'd cru- I'd, honestly, I, if I could, I'd cruise like I'd cruise to like Cardiff. I'd cruise to like. like I'd, I'd, only, I'd only cruise like if I could cruise from London to Derby. My hometown, That's the way I'd travel. It's the best way, man.
1: Well, maybe that's what you need to put on the rider for the Mike M shows: is only travel by cruise. I'm not sure how logistical that is with the dates, but.
0: Dude, I, I, I could get away with that. The, the, the Lost Alone Rider, which you just reminded me, had on it, the dressing room must always feel like Santa's grotto. And one, <laughs> one promoter, an absolute legend in Germany, when I got to the dressing room, there was a Santa and I sat on his knee. <laughs> and, uh, and I told him what I wanted for Christmas. <laughs>
2: what? Oh, <He>
3: this <laughs> guy. Have you ever had any other Mad Rider stuff? Have you ever had anything you've put on the writer for other than that, that you've had for laugh?
0: That's the Christmas thing. I, you know, I think you do where you put something on it, like to, to, um, to make sure they're actually reading it. And we had like the band, like Stephen will not go on stage unless there's a photo of Freddie Mercury, like by where he sits. And people did that. Like there's photocopies, a real bad photo. So there was an issue in Hamburg once where uh, I feel quite embarrassed by this. But it was like, you know, in the touring bubble, but the water that had been provided, it just, just bottled water before I went, you know, I'm using my very non-plastic bottle now. But back then I was still like, uh, you know, killing the environment with big loads of water on the rider. But I noticed when the water came that the, the lid was open and all the lids were undone. So I said to a tour manager, you dude, that's how I like drinking water it'd be like open. Like, come on. <laughs> I know how bad it's making sound. And I actually, I actually heard this, and I've never felt more mortified in my life. I heard from the production office, I told my going, guys, we need proper water. And the guy went, this was good enough for Robbie Williams. And then my told manager <laughs> went, <"It,"> the <laughs> went, it's not good enough for Battelle. I am such a dick. <laughs> oh, <laughs> brilliant. Take that, was just, it, Williams. It, it, it was more like, it, it wasn't out of Diva. It was more like, why well, do have to give us water that's got a top open? Like you're on tour, you try to keep healthy. But I don't know, maybe I, I, it's not my greatest moment, but it was a great quote. Like, <laughs> oh, definitely.
1: Um, that is definitely yeah. a beautiful <laughs> quote. Well, um, dude, it's been so great catching up with you. Thank you so much for taking the time for this. And again, trusting us with your first interview in a long, long time. But, um, before we let you go, obviously. These tour dates now are with Mike M, you've just announced that you're going to be doing before that a show in Derby as a hometown show to open it up. And you have um, mentioned that new music is in the works, but what can we really look for now going forward? Um, how can people really just keep up with everything you're doing and the uh, return of Lost Alone?
0: Yeah, basically, like without me getting in loads of trouble, and, and, um, it's, not like it's not like I'm in some like stadium band that's got embargoes but just so I don't get destroyed I'm pretty sure like I'm just going to say yeah new music has been made and very soon this isn't like we got asked to play with my chemistry days ago quick let's be heard we've been playing this for two years so there is music and it's coming literally like within days there's music happening that, that's the thing that like now I was excited to announce it back now I'm just like I cannot wait to like crazy that like I've been holding this music like it's been ready for like six months to come out so yeah um i appreciate you guys having me on guys i've loved this no worries
3: i'm still waiting for the uh to hear the track that i'm on because i guess i've got to uh write and then perform my parts on parts. one of these songs get those
0: parts but in all seriousness that's a great idea actually so we should uh we should we should actually <laughs> i am not no, yell on a, anything that, no that is actually a really good idea so um and I will talk to him about that after the podcast because I, I genuinely, <laughs> I genuinely have, I actually do have some, I have something really in mind. So that's my brain already going, but
3: that'll be something to discuss. Thank you very, very much for this. Um, I fucking love seeing you. I love hearing from you. I am fucking absolutely chuffed that your band is back together. And thank you, dude. Um, not only could it not happen to um, such a good band, but what a fucking lovely. A lovely fucking bunch of fellas as well, um, and that's yeah. Oh, tell crime, that, to, man, yeah, yeah. Tell that to the boys as well, because I will do, I know definitely. Me and you. the Blackout boys fucking loved love touring with you.
0: To say we said that earlier when I told the guys I was coming on, they were just like, "Best guys, isn't a given. You know that as well as I do that you're gonna isn't a given. You're gonna like really like if you tour it. Believe me, that has happened. But like, <laughs> yeah, we we uh, we absolutely loved looked like hanging with you guys on that tour. It was absolutely incredible. Thanks for having me on, guys. I I appreciate appreciate it so much. Bye. Yes! Yes. Woo!
3: That was the fantastic Stephen Battelle of Lost Alone. Someone I am absolutely blessed to call a friend. What a lovely, lovely guy. And if you're not feeling positive or happier after that, um, you are officially dead inside.
1: Yes, it was so nice to get him to open up about literally everything going on for the first time. He's trusted us We've been with being one of his first interview the first interview back and exclusive and we cannot thank him enough and I'm just so excited to see all this love and support for Lost Alone. Once again, um, as you mentioned, they are working on new music. You can keep up to date with everything going on with that on their social media. And they will be playing a host of shows across May, um, headlining their hometown in Derby. May the 13th, the tickets have gone on sale today, so make sure you go and check that out. And, of course, they'll be supporting My Chemical Romance, the icons in My Chemical Romance on the 17th, 19th, and 28th of May, The Eden Project, Milton Keynes, and Cardiff, respectively. So those shows are going to be insane anyway, and just a nice touch that Lost Alone are going to be opening up for a couple.
3: What a load of people I absolutely love. My Chemical Romance and (laughs) Lost Alone. They're fucking absolute sweet darts, all of them are. Fucking some of the nicest bands I ever got the privilege of touring with. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for it. Oh, yeah, and I haven't announced it, I guess, but I'm going to be at four of those dates, at least, and the Cardiff one, I suppose. But on a working level, I am um apparently DJing at the VIP bar at Warrington, and then apparently on stage before the bands at Milton Keynes. So playing music for an hour or two before people come on. So, um, yeah, that's mad. That's mental. Disc
1: jockeying, like disc jockeying Di- in a stadium. Oh,
3: bro, nobody jockeys <laughs> the discs like I was shown, right? <laughs> so much so, I have to talk in third person when I talk about my jockeying of discs. like. But, yeah, so thank you very much to Mike Ken for having us. Thank you very much to Johnny Phillips and SJM for um, getting me involved in that. That is going to be a fucking fantastic tour, and I'm very, very, very excited for the whole thing anyway.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a, a, absolutely amazing. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are very, very excited to spend this summer kicking it off with My Chemical Romance. And throughout, festival season isn't that far away, and we're very excited for 2000 Trees festival. Yes. As we mentioned earlier on, It's returning after a two-year hiatus due to the world shutting down, on the sixth to the 9th of July in Cheltenham, UK, just a few hours away from London, they've just announced the likes of Umi at Six, Boston Manor, Twin Atlantic, and more in the festival's Raiders. final announcement for 2022. Already going with Raiders, Raiders. Jamie yeah, World, Raiders. Jimmy World, Raiders. Thrice. Raiders. Raiders. Turnstile. Raiders. Idols. So if you want... And Raiders. T- and Raiders, again. Raiders will be there. If you didn't know Raiders, Sean's <laughs> band, they're going to be playing as well. And if oh, you want to go... Give us go a
3: and- listen, man. Nobody's listening <laughs> on any of the platforms. Give us a fucking listen, will
1: you? <laughs> but if you want 10% off your tickets, use promo code SAPNIN. It can be in CAPS or it can be in SMALL. It can, whatever you want. Uh, and as a discount code, you get 10% off the website. 2000treesfestival.co.uk forward slash tickets have a laugh go it'll be a good good
3: good 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 time yes it is i cannot fucking wait so yes let us know your thoughts on anything and do you know what i will accept any thoughts (laughs) on. it used to be let us know what you think of the podcast and future let us know about anything that's happening pod on twitter and instagram and as i said before you heard beautiful stephen talking then this podcast is only available because we are absolutely blessed to have a Patreon and ultimately a Patreon community who is absolutely amazing, the most loving people I've ever come across. They're almost too nice for us, which makes me think that they've listened to the wrong podcast. But also, check it out, patreon.com 4 Sappening. My joke earlier about if you've listened to two or more episodes, you have to sign up. Is also uh completely based in truth. So you must. So patreon.com, forward slash happening.
1: Yes, please go and check out. It's the best way to support us and continue this podcast to happen each and every week. There's loads of bonuses, as we say there on the regular, that we upload exclusively for the Patreon. But the main thing is you get invited into this wonderful community of people. And they literally, words can't describe how amazing that whole experience has been. So if you want to become a part of it, patreon.com forward slash slapping, it would really help. And we need to say a massive thank you to so many people. So if you head to the description of this episode, you'll see loads of names from the Patreon we thank. But as always, Sean is going to give a massive shout out to the elite members. Those are the top tiers of the Sapmin Podcast Patreon community.
3: Thank you very much to the homies. Here we go. Thank you very much. Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Liwowe, Janelle Castan, Amadine Urbano, Mitch Perry, Dilly Grimwood, Kelly and Kelly Young. Nathan Croshaw, Paul Irshfield, Emma Barber, Sammy G, Tony Michael, Kat and Jenny Robertson, Scott Jones, Murray Grimwood, Amy Campion, Johnny Phillips, Alexandra Pemblinton, Stuart McNaught, Amy Louise, Caroline Robinson, Chris Hour, Joe Ackland, M Evans Roberts, Jacob Edrington, Martina McManus, Carl Pendlebury, Louis Cook, Danny Eaton, Craig Harris, Jenny Munster, Lucy Deads, Kelly Cannon, Jason Oredia, Emily Perry, Becky Andy, John and Emma, James McNaught, Adam King of the Goths, Parslow, you are currently wearing a t-shirt of his band, The Nightmares. Everyone should I check him out. They're correct. wicked. Uh, thank you very much, Ollie Amesbury. Josh, what do you call a typo on a tombstone? Go on. Can you get it? What do you call a typo on a tombstone?
1: I do know. What would you call it?
3: A grave mistake. Ah, uh, nice. So, thank okay. you very much, Joshua. Chris, Alice Wood, Khalila Keane, Reese Bowring, Kate Stevenson, Katrina Robinson, Connor Lewins, Kyle David-Smith, and last by no means, Daniel Stevenson, um, a guy I emailed this week to tell him that a video I'd sent in was in his inbox, but accidentally sent it to the wrong Daniel Stevenson. Twice. Oh. So there you go. There you go.
1: Uh, for more hilarity like that, patreon.com forward slash it.
3: If you've got a common name that you'd like to confuse <laughs> Sean with and then ultimately he sends all of, your, all of your Patreon things to other people... Check out Patreon.com for what's happening.
1: Also, if you've got a fucking mad name they want people to hear it more of and you want to get oh, it in true. that list, sign up as well. It'd be it'd be a great laugh. But before we go, Sean's favourite segment is up next. Oh,
0: yes. Yes! we buy
1: honey update!
3: How are we doing, Morgan? Have we had... Wait, wait. Have we had... Any honey from Stephen Vai. Still no fucking honey. Ah, oh, He's fucking more like Steve Lai. Yeah, Steve Vai, honey update! Nice! <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. Uh, yes, yeah, so before you go in, if you are listening to this or you work for Steve Vi, give him a nudge. I <laughs> would like the honey.
1: We would. We would like the honey, but... This has been a lovely episode. I've really, really enjoyed this. Very special, and it's just nice that we can bring you these different kinds of conversations from the music industry and beyond on Sapnin Podcast. So we'll be back next Friday and every week with a special guest for you to sink your... I was going to say teeth, but you put it in your ears. so <laughs> You it, sink ears into. <laughs> your ears into.
3: <laughs> I just imagine people folding their ears <laughs> over their um, headphones now oh
1: that's uh, weird and we'll catch you next time I guess
3: oh look at all right drop Stop that! fucking hell catch you next time I suppose drop tra- you're listening to Sablin Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't I don't know what else you do with podcasts um